Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Gassman, and sitting there with the lovely background is Joe Lupton. Joe, hey, we got so much we got so much to talk to about today. There's no time for jokes. There's no time for long introductions. <laughs> we got to jump just, right into seriousness. <laughs> we got to jump into seriousness. The Fed delivered on what we expected at the meeting, but the but the message from uh, Powell was much stronger in terms of raising the the risk that the Fed is going to move more quickly than it did in the last cycle. We have changed our Fed call. We now have seven rate hikes from the Fed forecasted between now and the end of March 2023. That's a substantially faster pace than last time. And I guess what we want to talk about here is, first of all, What's the premise in terms of the macro outlook that's consistent with that? And, and talk a little bit about the risks around that. And then the second thing is, what's the feedback that that outlook, and obviously associated with actions from other central banks, might have that could actually create risks for both the realization of this, but also for the economy more generally? So let's start with premise. And premise is about, of course, whether we can get the kind of strong growth that we are expecting to be consistent with that and the resiliency of growth. So, you know, there's a lot in the data flow, Joe. Let's take us through your thinking about how we see um, the both the near-term outlook and how that links to the more medium-term. Well, look, I think the, the premise is one of a, of a risk assessment here. And obviously, the, the Fed is shifting away from this viewing the risk as balance around uh, inflation on the one hand and kind of slack in the labor market on the other. That was really the, what they were expressing over most of last year. The, the premise now is that the, the expansion is much further along than they had thought, and it really is further along in the labor market. He stressed that the labor market is very strong. Uh, and as you pointed out, the, the premise is that that strength is legit and resilient. Right, that it's something that's fundamental, that we are going to have a near-term slowdown in in growth this quarter. In fact, could even see a contraction in GDP this quarter. Uh, that comes after a, a supercharged growth last quarter in the U.S. I think the broader global picture is a really similar in the sense that one of things opening up last quarter as the Delta wave drags are fading, supply bottlenecks were opening up, and really all the GDP reports that have been coming out have shown an acceleration through the fourth quarter. Similarly, all the monthly data flow has shown things softening as we're moving, particularly the consumer slowing as we move into the current quarter. And then the call, the key call is that this is going to be temporary, right? I mean, we've gone from transitory inflation to transitory pothole on growth, I guess, is maybe in that risk balance shift that has taken place by the Fed. And so the ultimate premise here is that this is a very healthy labor market, a very resilient expansion that's going to weather the near-term shortfall, and things are going to keep tightening, and inflation is going to stay elevated, and central banks need to start normalizing. So let's talk about risks here in terms of things that can go wrong. Um, as you say, the first quarter is going to be weak in the U.S., and uh, we're not forecasting a negative number, but certainly that's a, you know, that's a concern. Um, less is the issue around how weak the first quarter is, but how much is the weakness telling us uh, something beyond an Omicron drag that's going to fade? Where do you think about the main concern that we should have about what might be 
uh, a risk of weaker growth as we carry out to Q2 and beyond, U.S. and globally for that matter. Yeah, look, the, the consumer is certainly a, a source of, of weakness, probably the ultimate source of weakness right here at year end. I think our global um, you know, global retail sales is down, what, about a percent in, in December? Um, the U.S. was a, a, a big part of that, but it's a broad-based story. And so, you know, of course, you would think you would hope that's the what we're expecting is a transitory element and things come back as as we start to move away from this, uh, this Omicron drag. Um, of course, more fundamentally, what you worry about is, is, you know, in the labor market. And, you know, for now, you know, at least up through the fourth quarter, labor markets have been quite strong. And, you know, we'll see next week with the U.S. payroll report, things are probably going to slow a little bit, um, maybe quite a bit, um, uh, still growing, but a slower pace of growth. Uh, and I think, you know, seeing that resilience from the business sector uh, continuing to hire through this soft patch to me is all, you know, that's a really important driver because health in the labor market is an important fundamental that keeps the expansion going. One thing I'll say that does give me some confidence is while the consumer uh, confidence on business behaviors while the consumer is weakened our our you know our estimators of of capex is actually picked up towards the end of the year and that's capital goods exports that's capital goods production that's the shipment summers that's this week's durables report from the US that's the pmi reports on manufacturing sector investment to keep goods. you to keep you away from optimism but uh, well yeah uh, let me yeah. let me just sort of say i think you know around a a broader story about consumer behavior here. The, you know, the other thing we need to bring in, which has got global as well as U.S. elements to it, is the two potential shocks that magnify the Omicron drag in Q1. One being higher energy and food price inflation, and the other being yeah. the fiscal the fiscal drag from uh, ending child tax credits uh, in yeah. the U.S. So there's obviously the behavioral story of whether consumers are going to continue to be willing to eat into their healthy balance sheet to offset some of these drags. But there's also issue about these drags starting to kind of pile up on each other. Uh, as, and as, as we noted, it's already coming uh, against the backdrop of a weak December on on the on the spending side. Yeah, so I think, no doubt on the inflation side, you're 100 percent right that that is a that's a real threat. Uh, to the to the current quarter here, we have seen headline inflation decelerate um, notably through just the the latest December read. This is global headline inflation, um, but we know that the risks are skewed to the upside. We have a call that global inflation falls from something a little over six percent in the fourth quarter to something down to three and a half percent. But the risks are to the upside on that, largely on energy prices, which have been moving back up. And the thing that's really probably having us concerned and we've talked a lot about is the food prices that uh, are quite strong outside of China and ag prices are really moving. And I, I know that's near and dear to your heart as you uh, always push me on uh, the food price inflation stuff. Yeah, we won't go there anymore today, but uh, let's talk about the core inflation picture from a different angle because I want to talk about risks here. And there are two-sided risks, right? One, one we're talking about is growth coming into the year uh, as disappointing us. The other is that we, we, you know, we have the Fed doing more than the market expects, more than they did in the past. But this is still a Fed that's kind of taking its time. It's still not uh, back to neutral in a year's time. This is not 1994. Um, what's the risk that inflation is just going to sit here at 4% or so for the next year? And we look past the near-term energy price drags. How worried should we be 
that the underlying inflation picture is just going to be firmer than we and most people expect. Boy, Bruce, I, I mean, that really is the million dollar question here. I mean, I could say, oh, well, you know, I'm confident that there's these bottleneck pressures that are going to fade. I think that is true. I, I mean, look, we, you and I were quite early on kind of pointing out that these pressures were going to be with us at the start of last year. And then when it started to pick up and everyone was saying transitory, we bought into that. But we said transitory can last quite a while here. And, and sure enough, there here we are at the end of 2021. And inflation is, is quite high. The question is, are we going to fall back? And is it just going to be you know, right back into something like we had uh, in the last expansion? Or are we going to settle somewhat higher? We think you're going to settle somewhat higher, but still something below where we're at now. There's a long quite way a bit to go. below where we are now. The U.S. just finished a year of seven. Yeah. Right. We got it at three core next th this year. Yeah. But, and three is obviously going to put pressure on the Fed. That's our forecast. But yeah. if it was four or five, then that's a really different picture in terms of the, the pressure point. So, um, yeah, I think the, the bigger question is if we get that inflation forecast, which that, that's our forecast, uh, you know, is seven hikes even enough? Right. I mean, do we need to start moving into restrictive territory and and putting the brakes on and and will the fed be willing to do that can can financial markets tolerate that might it be like 1994 let's get to that issue which is let's assume for a moment the seven is 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 reasonably um likely and, and obviously there's a lot to talk about there but even with uh, the fed moving in a way that's more aggressive than last cycle, but is still not getting us back to neutral till sometime in the first half of 2022. How should we think about transmission? Uh, and and what's the, the issues there in terms of we obviously are seeing an equity market correct downward now. Do we have to worry that the um, financial transmission of Fed policy, and obviously they're also moving on the balance sheet, uh, with other central banks moving in tandem, is that just going to be too much here and we're going to get surprised that financial conditions are going to tighten far more than we expect and that short circuits the uh, the central bank tightening story we're telling? I mean, yeah, yeah it's kind of like the inflation thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. I, I think what, what I would point out is that the Fed, if anything, seems very sensitive to this stuff. And in the past, you know, kind of 15 years, they've, they've shown themselves to, to kind of really be cautious to not allow too much financial stress to kind of build into the system. And I, and I think that's a, that's, a, that's a good thing. But the other point I would make is, you know, that is a part of the monetary transmission mechanism, right? Rates are supposed to go. It's not just, oh, the Fed raises rates. We should be seeing the tenure move up. We should be seeing mortgage rates move up. We should be seeing credit spreads maybe start to open a little bit, maybe seeing some steam come out of the equity markets. All of that is a part of a soft landing, right? It's just about controlling that soft landing. And that's a big wild card. And I think that's that's important. The issue is calibration. Um, the the point I think I would make in terms of what we're seeing now is that calibration is probably far more important in interest rate and credit market space than it is in equity market space. Wealth effects are pretty small over short periods of time. Equity markets don't generally, unless they're huge moves and dislocated moves, they don't generally spill over to broader financial conditions. So if what we're seeing in equity markets is a correction to a, a different Fed signal that by itself is not a big issue for 
uh, that feedback loop. It's along the lines of what you described is the Fed's getting some traction, but not really threatening things. And we'd point out, and this is, you've pointed out uh, as well in the past, that you know, typically when you get these downturns, you have these real side imbalances in the economy. And we don't have that type of balance sheet or overinvestment cycle like you had in the late 2000s or the housing bubble that you had, which had a real overbuilding and housing attached to it. We don't see that right now. So that actually should give you some confidence that that soft landing can be generated. Right. And I think that's a pretty important point. Um, But I do want to just hold open the uncertainty that we have, which is in terms of forecasting, how much do uh, interest rates go up along the curve in a world in which the Fed is also moving on the balance sheet, in a world where other central banks are already also tightening? How much does that transmit to credit conditions? These are things which I think you and I would admit we have a lot less uh, comfort in terms of trying to forecast uh, than we do uh, GDP, inflation, um, and other macro variables. So we have to track that. We've seen varied responses in the past in terms of transmission. We should just recognize the uncertainties there. And I think we'll end on that note. Uh, just as a preview for next week, what are we looking for in the January PMIs? We've already gotten the flashes. What do we look for broadly globally, Joe? I, th- I think it's going to be a little bit of a step down. I would look at the flashes that came out this week as, you know, arguably and the man- both manufacturing and services came down. I would have said the fall in services was expected uh, given Omicron drags. Maybe it was a little worse than we thought in the U.S. in particular. But the manufacturing came down. But I actually felt I was looking I was worried it was going to be worse than it was. So I actually came out this week feeling a bit better. Next week, we're looking for probably Asia is what we should be watching. And, and you know, China, Korea, I think we have down about a half a point in the manufacturing sector. Of course, we're going to be looking at the supply chain stuff, which is the delivery times and prices. Is the flash has actually continued to show improvement on that front. So we'll look for that in the Asian ones. And just to note, that's kind of what we got from Taiwan, which came out early, which was yeah. a little bit of a move down, but some improvement in the supply conditions underneath. So with that, we'll end. Thanks, everybody, and hope to be able to continue this conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.